You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. You are now listening to the Ride Across Podcast. I can hear you. Can you hear me or no? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> Hilarious. This, this is our life now. <laughs> I know. It really is. Um, well, it's so nice to meet you. Um, you too. I don't think we've ever actually met, but our worlds obviously overlap so much. Um, so it's like really nice to meet you, even though it's over Zoom and in these times. Yes, likewise. Um, so yeah, today on the Writer Cry podcast, we are joined by Allison Hagendorf, and you are the queen of rock music at Spotify, I would say, or really the queen of rock music in general. And you have a new podcast called Rock This that is so fantastic. Um, and yeah, I will definitely get into that later. Um, but I wanted to first, I just listened to the uh, episode with Youngblood, and it's really cool because as Emo Knight, we've been there with him since the beginning too. You know, I was at the first show that he played at the Viper Room. He played at Emo Knight before anyone knew who he was. It was legitimately maybe a hundred people watching him play full band upstairs at the Echo. But from day one, we just knew that he was going to become who he is now and what he's becoming and what he'll for sure become more of in the future. And I wanted to know what about him when you first met him, you first heard his music, what about him made you see how amazing his music was and all that. Absolutely. And I'm with you on that. I'm so glad that you and I are sitting down because we both just wave the flag for the community and the culture and the genre. So I just, I love that we're just sitting down right now chatting. Yeah. But, you know, I, I listen to so much music, you know, so, so many thousands of songs and the full spectrum, you know, of music uh, just coming out each week. And I had heard his music. And from the first moment I heard it, I knew that it was special. It, was, it just kind of had everything. One, I love his voice. Um, the songwriting, you know, songwriting is, is something that's very difficult to do really well. And I just realized right off the bat that that was a special craft and skill set. He had also the message of the music. You know, he was talking about politics. He was talking about social injustice. I just thought that his music had a, a very anthemic, you know, ring to it. And then it was when I sat down with him and had a conversation that I realized, wow, you know, this is, this is not just a, a recording artist. This is a visionary. This is a... a, a 360 degree artiste. You know, this is a visual artist. This is someone who has plans that are just happening every second in his mind. He's the kind of artist that's involved in every aspect of his art. So that was when I realized that, okay, this is so much more. And then of course, after seeing him live, like, forget it. (laughs) It just was like, okay, you know, this is, uh, this is special. This is exciting. And I knew at that point that it was, he was a rock star, but I knew at that point that it was going to be just a superstar, that it was going to transcend genre, transcend scenes, and be timeless. And then once I got to really understand the respect and love he has for heritage, for the music that he grew up listening to, whether that's The Clash or The Sex Pistols or Green Day, you know, he, lo- he, he reveres 
all of those bands and wears his influences on his sleeves, but his breadth of knowledge of where the music came from is really impressive. Another thing that's unique about him. Totally. And I think, um, well, I think you and then Emo Knight and Youngblood, I think what we all have in common is that we are all about the community yes. um, and creating a community and and watching it grow and making sure that, you know, rock music and emo pop punk music and all that stays true to its roots, but also has a chance to grow. And I think right now I'm so excited about the direction that emo and pop punk specifically is heading with Machine Gun Kelly, Jaden, yeah. you know, Travis Barker kind of going into all these different genres, Halsey popping from, you know, making an EDM song to then being on a pop punk song with Machine Gun Kelly. I think it's all really, really exciting. Do you, do you kind of feel that too? I, I'm hearing you say that it makes me even more excited because I say this like ad nauseum. Like this is like, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit on an island and so I get excited when hearing you say and hearing others say it to know that this is really a movement. And it takes, you know, a plethora of artists doing it to create that movement, to create that scene, because you can have an, a great artist here and a great artist there, but it's not until the artists are, are connected via the community and are supporting each other that that's really a sign of a movement. So I'm with you. It's such an exciting time. This is a new wave that we're experiencing. And what I've learned from the past is that when you're experiencing something special, you often don't realize it until time has passed and it's over, um, that you look back and like, wow, we didn't even realize that we were in the middle of something so special. And I know that we're in that right now. And it feels very rewarding to be cognizant of that as we're going through it and experiencing it. And we're, and we're witnessing the change in the evolution. Totally. And it's kind of bittersweet because we can't really um, experience that in a live setting right now. Mm -hmm. And while mm -hmm. I feel so excited about all these things happening, I wish, you know, we could have an emo night and just celebrate Youngblood's new songs and Machine Gun Kelly's album. Like, I know that if life was normal right now, we would have thrown the coolest party with Machine Gun Kelly and, um, you know, just all like the all time Lowe's new album. They have their first number one of their 15 plus year career. It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. crazy. And it's, um, I think a part of it also has to do with the fact that we are at home and we're able to consume music in a different way. We're able to sit with it. Um, the way that artists meant to have it be listened to, you know, you kind of mm -hmm. listen from the first track to the last track and you really consume it instead of being on the go and listening to one track at a time. And I think that also has a lot to do with it. I agree. I'm with you. Look, I live for live shows. Live. I moved from New York and like moved into a cross street from the Roxy. You know what I mean? Like nice. I'm crazy. I like, yeah. I feel alive when I'm seeing live music. So this is devastating. It's also devastating just to know how many people are hurting financially, emotionally, that this time is really tough. Um, I am the queen of, of focusing on silver linings. And like you said, I think that it's giving us a unique relationship with the music and with artists. Artists are finding new ways to connect with their fans, um, which has been rewarding both for fans and for the artists themselves. So I think it forced us into this unique opportunity almost to just express ourselves in new ways, connect in new ways. And I think that when it is time for shows to be happening again, we are going to appreciate them in a whole 
new way. It is going to connect us as music fans and lovers in a whole new way. And I look forward to that time. I'm counting on it. <laughs> Me too, so much. It's funny because uh, the last, I guess, show I went to was the March Emo Night and Youngblood was DJing that night. And it had been exactly two years since he first played. And so it was just madness and chaos. And it was so cool to have him back. But, you know, the juxtaposition of that night to a week later where everybody was just sitting at home yeah. is, is really wild. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to to what was the last show you went to? So I was kind of in quarantine before the quarantine because I had just had a baby. <laughs> so I was like not leaving my house anyway. So my son, he was born right around Thanksgiving. So I can literally count in one hand. A month later was the My Chemical Romance show. Oh. Okay. So that was like my first night out. It, I went mental that night. Like I was like in the pit, just going nuts. Like, were you at that My Chem show? At the, of at course. The yeah, of, of course. course. Yeah. yeah. I love that answer. Of course. Just how wonderful was that night, by the way? When the curtains came down, I, I don't know the last time I felt that feeling. You yeah. Know? And it, it just the the music starting and the crowd just freaking out and everyone standing in anticipation. And the second those curtains came down, I mean, I've, I just got chills even thinking about I, it. I, I have chills just hearing you talk about it because it was one of those electric evenings that we will always remember. So I am proud that my first night out was uh, my chem. And then it was like the Grammys. Like I went to the Grammys and then like, I'm not kidding. I went out like three times. <laughs> like, And there was a very special night. It was a tribute to the doors at the Sunset Marquee, which by the way, I love the Sunset Marquee. Oh, me too. And it was, it was like the coolest like tributes to like the doors. So like everyone was there and like Josh from Bad Flower is there and Luke from the Struts. And like, it was just one of these cool nights that everyone was like, Miley Cyrus came with Andrew Watt. So it was like a really fun Oh, Gary Clark Jr. I mean, I'm not even naming a fraction of the people who were there, but it was just one of those very special nights where the community came together again to pay tribute to, you know, where we came from. And then the newer artists, you know, kind of taking the torch and carrying the torch. So I think that may have been my last night before all of this. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, those are pretty solid. But good nights, quality, yeah. quality yeah. nights. Those are incredibly <laughs> quality, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I love that so much. Um, will you, for listeners who aren't very familiar with you, will you just give a quick rundown of your past in working in music, kind of where you started and how you ended up where you are now? I will try to give an abridged version because it spans over 20 years. But I will. I love that. Basically, long story short, I have been a music fanatic my whole life. And the key moment that I actually got turned into rock and alternative because I wasn't raised on it. I was actually raised on like Motown, amazing Motown and like fifties rock and roll, like the beginning of rock and roll. But I just remember hearing Nirvana for the first time and it, it just blew my mind and changed my life. And ever since that moment, I was like, music needs to be my life. I don't even know what that means. I didn't even study. I actually studied. I'm like pre-med. I graduated the pre-med degree, but I just, I always just knew that music had to be my life. I became a Sony college rep when I was in college. Me too. I was a Sony were, college rep. Wait, you were? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. Wait, this is a huge connection. Of course. I'm not it's, surprised. It's like a cult. I'm not but surprised. But in the best way. The cult in the best way. I know. I, I think that's, I'm not surprised. Anyone who became a Sony college rep and stuck with it, it just speaks volumes about your commitment to the music. A million, percent, a, a million thing? percent. A million percent. That's okay. so cool. This is a whole new connection for, for you and I. 
Um, was I, Frank I want- was Frank your boss? Yes. Yeah. Actually, Frank and and Nina Webb. Nina Webb, I have to say, gave me my first opportunity. She's amazing. I mean, I don't, I don't um, know Nina, but Frank is the greatest. Yeah, Nina was there before Frank, and Frank was there as well. But Nina was kind of like the OG. Okay. And um, cool. I won Rep of the Year, and I you got did? yeah. So I got a job offer at Columbia and Epic, but I really wanted to be a VJ on MTV, <laughs> and I knew that Matt Pinfield, who was like my idol, worked at Columbia Records. I was like, I'll take the Columbia job. I'll like work my way to meet Matt, and you know, lo and behold, I did make that happen. I like, created a position assisting Matt Pinfield, but then I we were doing A and R, and I actually fell in love with doing A and R you know, artists and repertoire, scouting unsigned talent, making records. Then I was like, shoot, artist discovery is actually my passion. A&R is awesome. And I did that for a while. So I did A&R for many years. Um, I did A&R at Epic Records. Um, I discovered and found Juliet Sims. Amazing. She, I love she her. She is my, my pride and joy. You know, she's like my little sister. I'm just so proud of her. What an incredible talent. Juliet she's such Sims. a rock star. Juliet Sims is the epitome of a rock star. Yeah. I can't say enough things about this woman, her talent, her work ethic, um, her her beauty inside and out. I just, Juliet Sims, one of my proudest discoveries. I also A&R'd Lamb of God. Cool. So, so a, A&R and again, full spectrum of sounds. If, if Juliet Sims and Lamb of God <laughs> are any indication of my spectrum of love for music. Um. But, you know, doing on camera and interviewing bands was always my passion. I started just doing that organically so we'd have additional assets to use at the label. And then just through word of mouth, I would start hosting record release parties or like events at Lollapalooza or whatever it was. And then my television debut was on Fuse. You know, and at this time, MTV had really stopped doing music videos and uh, Fuse was was sort of the go-to place, and which was so great because you know, Fuse was the spot for the whole rise of the mainstream emo. So mm-hmm. it was such a fun, exciting time. I hosted the Top 20 Countdown and did all the festival coverage. And then from there, when all the music competition shows started to come up, I hosted the one on the CW that was called The Next. And it was with Gloria Estefan, Joe Jonas, Nelly. And I remember John that. It was so fun. And that's when the New Yorker in me went to L.A., and I like stopped hating on LA for the first time and like loved doing the show and it was so fun. And I moved to LA and just has been hosting music stuff and other things too, but primarily music. And then Spotify was looking for someone who's really, whose expertise is rock, rock and alternative. And that's, of course, I love music from multiple genres and times, but rock and alternative is, it's my religion. That's, that's my, that's my heart and soul. And so I've been in Spotify for the last five years been really rewarding and exciting that's so fun so um for yeah for anyone who just isn't familiar with you what would you say like how would you describe what you do there um i curate uh rock and alternative playlists you know um full spectrum and what i'm really excited about is the launch of my new show which is called rock this with allison hagendorf which is just another way to celebrate our wonderful genre and it's it's been exciting we, this will be the third episode this week and it's, it's episodes every single friday so the I, first episode was young blood the second episode was grandson and so many more exciting interviews in store it's such a cool format because um 
you play songs, but then you also interview artists and then you also give little stories about each song and what they mean to you. And it's really unique. Um, how long did it take for you to come up with that concept or why did you want to do it in this format? Thank you. I, you know, cause I really think what's unique about rock and alternative is that it pays homage to our influences. You know, I would say that we literally wear our influences on our sleeve. Like I'm, I'm literally wearing a Cure shirt right now that actually says the Cure on the sleeve, like nice. literally. Um, but it also has to be about evolving the genre. So I am equal parts, like I love the Cure, you know, I love Nirvana, but I also love the bands that are like the future, the present and future of the genre. And I believe, and I'm a firm believer and supporter, we have to evolve the genre. So I always kind of tune into the artists that are doing that. Um, so I wanted a show that would sort of celebrate both. So I think at the top of each show, I do some sort of nod to an album anniversary or a birthday or a, you know, a cultural event. Uh, and then I play new music and then it's an interview with some, with an artist uh, that has new music out, whether it's a, a legendary artist with new music or a new artist with, with new music and just yeah. sort of tying it all together. Yeah. And I love that. Um, especially in the young blood episode where he talked about all his influences and then you would play, you know, the cure. Cause he said he was influenced by the cure and then you would play a young blood song where you kind of saw that influence weave into it. It's really cool. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad that resonates. You know, because when you have an idea and you're just doing something that's just natural to what you would want to hear, you never know how it's going to to react with others. But the fact that it, it's been resonating really means so much. And it's just proof that the community is hungry for this. Yeah. And it's hungry for more ways to celebrate and to connect. Yeah, I mean, we've gone through a lot of that same journey at Emo Night, where in the beginning it was very strictly emo and pop punk artists DJing from the 2000s and, you know, the 2010s. And then slowly we started to realize that there were so many artists out there who weren't necessarily cookie cutter in that in that world, but we're making it their own and making it new. And, you know, just the world of Lil Aaron and Smart Death. And then you had Demi Lovato put out pop punk versions of her songs and collaborating with We The Kings. And so we slowly started to bring in even actors. We had Miles Heiser yeah. come in because he was influenced by this music. So we started having like actors and comedians and just anyone and everyone who was influenced by pop punk or emo DJ or perform at emo night. And that's when it became exciting. You know, yeah. when we stepped outside of that box, that's when we were so inspired and felt like, okay, there's, there's a future in this. And there was a little bit of a pause and I don't know why that was. And now it's kind of back and, and yeah. moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I do think everything is cyclical and everything is sort of where there's a couple of people doing something really interesting that's outside the box. And then it takes a couple more people to do something interesting. And then that, that's when it becomes a movement. But just like any wave or movement, it gets to a point where it gets oversaturated and almost a different version of it that's not as exciting as it was in the first place. And then something else becomes exciting in a different area, you know, and that, this has happened all throughout history. But I do think our, our time is now. And, and that's why I know you and I both share the excitement for this, this pivotal time. This is a pivotal time in history, I can feel it. I love that. I love that you say that. Um, mm -hmm. I also wanted to talk a little bit about your fitness journey because when I first 
became aware of you, I started to look up to you a lot because I feel like rock music and emo night and everything we do is sort of tied in with drinking and partying and mm. a little bit abandoning your physical wellness and your mental <laughs> wellness sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. you were such a role model in in showing that hi guy guy in hi. showing that um. <laughs> that you could do both. You could work in rock music and you could take care of yourself. And you were honestly the first person to really, <laughs> that I saw as an example of that. And it's really inspired me. And I, you know, work out every day and I go running. I really, I don't really drink that much. And mm -hmm. you were a big part of that, even though I don't even know you. <laughs> oh my um, God. But you don't understand. I'm, I'm beaming right now because I, I'm so that means a lot to me that really, you know, it's, you never know if you're having an effect on someone and this, this, I'm so glad we're sitting down because you're making my day right now. That means so <laughs> much to me. So Amazing. much because, because fitness and, and wellness is another pillar of mine. You know, music is one and, and fitness has always been, I've always been an athlete or a jock. I just, I like to play. I'm very physical. So, um, I feel like I was meant to be like a rock star <laughs> so I can be very physical on stage. But since I'm not, um, I am very physical. I just, I, I sort of feel like I, the same way I feel alive by going to a live show, I feel alive when I'm physical with my body. So, um, when did you start that? When did you uh, make working out such an important part of your life? Well, I grew up dancing, so um, just being physical has been a part of my life. And I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing field hockey and lacrosse. And then as an adult, you know, living in the city, I sort of was like, I need to give myself challenges. So I ran the New York City Marathon twice. I picked up, just got really into snowboarding. I really got into pole dancing. I got nice. a pole in my apartment in New York. So I just love physical challenges. And I saw I you also do Krav Maga. Yeah, I've tried, right. I've tried Krav Maga. I, and then when I moved to LA, I got really into CrossFit. I actually owned a CrossFit gym. I became a CrossFit model. So <laughs> cool. When I do something, I really do it. Same. <laughs> so, so fitness has always been a part of my life. But what I think is really beautiful and exciting about fitness is that it's a journey in its own. And I have done everything and I've done everything in different degrees. You know, I've I used to like have this motto, like if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. Like, I don't feel that way anymore. I feel like I'm in a chapter of my life where less is more, where it's about quality, not quantity and, and being efficient with your time, with your body. So now, and with this quarantine time, we created a DIY gym in our garage. And cool. I have to tell you, I am like never going back to the gym after this. I feel like I do like a 20 minute workout at most, like every other day. I I think I have a new love now of walking and hiking, which I never thought before. I always thought that was like, oh, that doesn't do anything. It does wonders. It does so much. Mm -hmm. And it does so much for your mind and for your, it's a, it's a moving meditation. It's so good for you. But I guess long-winded answer, I think that fitness has always grounded me the same way that music is grounding. Both of those have become a solace for me. So if I'm upset or angry, whether it's putting on music or going for a walk or getting a workout and they both have a medicinal effect on me. And I'm lucky I have that relationship with music and fitness because both of them are my drugs of choice. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that you say that because I'm the same way. The beginning of quarantine, I was like, I'm doing 90 minutes of hit every morning. <laughs> yeah. And I was losing my mind. And I like started getting a six pack for the first time in my life. And 
but I was kind of wearing myself out and it wasn't even healthy at all. Mm -hmm. It was so extreme. Uh, So now I've, you know, I I do walk a lot too and I, I run and I started running really for the first time in many years and I take it, you know, I kind of listen to my body and see what it needs, but I, I understand Smart. that. Yeah. But well, I used to be an all or nothing mindset and everything. And like, I'm like I, I am wired that way. So you're just sort of like, that's how I am. And that's how it is. But I, I do think that as you get older, or just as not that you get older, as you go through experiences in general, you sort of learn and it, and it requires you to go through it in order to learn this, that you are in control of that and that it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And you can learn different skill sets and how to implement moderation. And then you'll get to a point where like, you like that you actually like moderation and it feels good because now I'm all about what's sustainable. What's because when something's sustainable, it's more effortless. It requires less effort and less energy and becomes more habitual. Totally. Are there any books or podcasts or anything that you would recommend for somebody to listen to or watch that helps them go from an extreme lifestyle to more of a yeah. one of moderation? One of the books I read was called The Tools. And I'll have to look up the authors on that. But The Tools was one of those books in my journey that kind of changed my life because it changed my perspective. And basically, the idea behind The Tools is that you already have everything you need. You literally have it. And it's just about learning the skill set to tap into the tools that you need for this specific journey or experience. Uh, It really changed my life. It really... It also helped me cope with things. It teaches you to think of things in terms of stakes, like how high are the stakes. So if you're in the middle of a really, really hard time right now, think about like what stakes would be higher, you know, and then you sort of puts where you are in perspective and then you realize maybe your world is not over. (laughs) Maybe this is not the worst thing that's ever happened to you or could happen to you. And it just, it's all about perspective. As we know, perspective is power. And this book for me helped really change my perspective. Amazing. I'll check it out. What's what's on your running playlist right now? Uh, I like to to run and I work out and run to mostly hard rock. Okay. I really need like adrenaline. So I'm like, bring me the horizon is, is like, that's the spirit, their album from 2015. I listened to it nonstop, like for years. Like I had to stop listening to it because I like, I just, like, I love it. I, you know what other album was like that for me was the used, the used's first album was like that for me. Sometimes an album comes along. Fever 333 is like that for me. I'm obsessed. They just, they just put out a new EP. I, there's so certain good. bands. And by the way, this is a hard thing to do. There are certain bands where the full album is what I want to consume and dive into. Um, but those are the kind of things that I work out to, like Fever 333, Bring Me the Horizon, um, you know, The Used. I just, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Amazing. I love that. I honestly, I feel like I now just listen to EDM when I run. I don't know why, but yeah. it really, really oh. connects with my heart for some reason. No, I totally get that driving. It's just that driving energy and it's very dynamic and like the drop and like it really, like it keeps you going until there's that drop and then that drop, like you ride out that drop. So like, believe me, the dynamics of EDM, I totally get it. I went through a hardcore flume phase oh. where like, 
I was the top 1% listener of Flume <laughs> Spotify. Like Flume's whole team like knows this. And they would like joke that like, oh, Allison, she's, you know, she's the head of rock. And, but she also like worships Flume, which I do. I think Flume is so interesting and such an artist. Flume and- is so good. I literally saw Flume at the Echo. <laughs> like that's, that's so how early sick. on I knew about Flume. And I don't know why. I feel like my, when I lived in San Francisco, my friend told me about him and he literally had maybe two songs out. And I was back home visiting and he was playing at the Echo and there was nobody there. It's like one of those artists. I love that we share our love for Flume because don't you agree? I think Flume is, I I think Flume is, I think of him more as actually alternative. Yeah. I just think he's so artful and he's doing his own thing and he's always done his own thing. He just continues to really wow me. Definitely. He's really, really cool. Um, so what can we expect from the podcast moving forward? Can you give away some of the guests you have coming up? Or, Well, I can't really talk about the guests because I want to keep it a surprise. But okay. I will say that the guests will be in true fashion of the show, which is celebrating legendary artists and new artists. So I sort of kicked off the show with newer artists but the next couple of artists are going to be pretty legendary. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a cliffhanger. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So, so I think that, and I don't want to say because I want everyone to be surprised because it could be literally a brand new artist and the next week could be one of the biggest artists that's been around for decades. So I think it's very exciting. And again, just go, it's a nod to this, the full celebration of the genre, past, present, and future. Yeah, and very true to your mission. Yes. I love that. Waving that flag. Amazing. Well, I'm excited to listen as the episodes come out. And it was really lovely to talk to you and finally get to meet you. Likewise. I'm so glad you reached out. I'm so glad you and I are connecting because that's what this is all about. We Mm -hmm. all must come together, support each other, elevate each other, and just enjoy this time. You know, enjoy this time and, and focus on the silver linings and just celebrate this time with all the great music coming. Absolutely. I can't wait to rock out with you. You and yeah. I are going to like be like crowd surfing side by side. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Have cool. a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. I appreciate it. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.